Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. I've been wanting all year to call it, but I digress, but it's too late for that. And, uh, of course, I digress just doing that. But uh, And we're going to get right into it. This is the game, the 116th renewal of Ohio State versus Michigan. Uh, the game's going to be played in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which brings up uh, sort of like blood-curdling yell memories for some Ohio State fans from the from the 1990s. But uh, it things changed a lot in 2001 in this great game. Uh, this great rivalry, the greatest rivalry in college football, perhaps in sport. And it changed a lot by because of the efforts of my first guest today. Before I get to him, though, uh, you know, Ohio State is coming off a hard-fought win over Penn State. Hard-fought because Ohio State made it that way, kept stepping on his shoelaces with uh, three major turnovers, which kind of changed that game around. Ohio State still escapes Penn State 28-17, to clinches the Big Ten East Division Championship for the third straight year, and uh, two weeks from now we'll be playing for its third straight Big Ten Championship. Crazy. That one's already in the bag. But we all know that uh, bragging rights are what's on the line this week. They always have been ever since Ohio State and Michigan decided to start playing each other. And those bragging rights had waned through 2000 uh, during the John Cooper years when Ohio State sagged to 2-10-1 against Michigan. It was almost dreaded. Here comes the Michigan game again. But along came a coach from Youngstown State, formerly an Ohio State assistant coach named Jim Trussell, and he vowed that those things would change in, what, 310 days as soon as he was named the uh, successor to uh, John Cooper. And lo and behold, they did. But what a crazy ride it was to that, uh, what I call it, the lay source uh, win in what's turned out to be a 16-2 run by Ohio State in the greatest rivalry in sports. And nobody knows more about about that change of uh, – what do you want to call it, demeanor for for the Ohio State football program, then my first guest, a guy who was a quarterback of some great repute and is right now trying to sell insurance and still tell people what football is all about. Craig Krenzel, welcome to the Tim May Podcast. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Sorry about that long intro, man. I was going to build you up even more, but we'll do that as this goes along. Uh, real quick, before we get into uh, 2001 and the way life changed for Ohio State football fans, What's your impression of this Ohio State team 2019 coming off that win over Penn State where they tried to give it away, Penn State wouldn't take it, kept taking it back to the window. But what's just your take on this team uh, as, it, as it heads toward the Michigan game? What, what have they got going right, and what do you want to see kind of change? Uh, you know, I don't know that anything's really got to change. Uh, when you look at this this uh, Buckeye football team this year, in terms of what they got going right, uh, I, you know, I think across the board, it's a little bit of everything. Um, I mean, they're extremely talented offensively, defensively, uh, weapons everywhere, playmakers everywhere, making plays. Uh, you know, the biggest thing, like we saw on Saturday, and it's it's really the first time we've seen it all year. Um, it is just you got to execute. You got to execute. You got to take care of the football. I mean, three costly turnovers. 
made Saturday's game against the Nittany Lions at least on paper yeah. or in the box score uh, made it look like it might have been a game. But if you really watched the game, if you were there or you watched it on TV, um, it, it really wasn't a game. Um, yeah. You know, I think it was a uh, it was a, a truly dominating uh, performance. You know, I think there were, like I said, three plays in that game that went against the Buckeyes, and there were plays that that we put on ourselves. Yeah, and but- uh, anytime you do that in football, it's uh, it can be tough to overcome. But you know, like I said, when you look at the overall landscape of this football game on Saturday, um, it, it wasn't close. It wasn't an 11-point game uh, on the field in terms of anybody that knows football watched knows that uh, the Buckeyes dominated that football game. I mean, it was only 14 to nothing at half, but uh, clearly physically dominated by the Buckeyes. And it just goes to show you uh, that that truly is how good they are this year. And uh, my hope for this football team is for for two more games, they can go out there and execute, uh, execute rather, uh, do what they're supposed to do, and uh, give us all as fans an opportunity um, to see them in the playoffs. Because I want to see this team against Clemson or yeah. Yeah. Uh, LSU or Georgia or Alabama or whoever the heck it ends up being. Uh, this is the first time in a long time that I think uh, I can say at least and that a lot of people feel the same way. It's the first time in a long time where I look and say, you know what, I, I do want to see us play those teams because we are that good. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, Saturday, like you're talking about, I just do that, what can they get better at, just to see if you had anything to say. But by, Saturday kind of reminded me against Penn State about a rich a rich family throwing a, putting out a bread line for some uh, other people to maybe enjoy a little bit of meal before they finally went back into their big house, and that's what Ohio State did, took care of business. Speaking of the big house, and I didn't even mean that segue, Take me back to 2001. Let's just set this up big time. Uh, 2001, Steve Belisari is a starting quarterback. You know, you guys are kind of, you know, kind of had a hit and miss season. But, uh, you know, you're still kind of still kind of in the – you're still playing for possibility to be in the race for the Big Ten Championship, you know, headed toward the Illinois game. And then all of a sudden, you know, something happens on a Thursday night and Steve Belisari <laughs> had a moment he – would rather forget. Maybe he never even remembered it, if you follow my drift. But, you know, suddenly Scotty McMullen is named the quarterback. Uh, uh, Steve is uh, suspended by Jim Truss, or at least, you know, he's not going to get to play. You're the backup quarterback. Take me back to those moments. What changed for you? Did you know, you know, did you have a sense that things were about to change big time for you? Or how, how did you, how do you remember that, that, that little segue? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that I remember is, uh, um, you know, Steve Belsari is a dear friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, still is to this day. Uh, was was my roommate at the time. And, um, you know, nobody wants to see, uh, regardless of, of any situation or what can transpire after that uh, for personal gain, uh, you know, nobody ever wants to see a close friend or a family member you know, go through something like that. We've all, uh, we've all made decisions in our life and I'm sure you have too, Mr. May. Yes. But, uh, that, that we wish we could have back, um, to, to whatever degree. And then obviously that's one of those situations for Steve-O and, um, uh, you know, uh, to this day, I wish, I wish things would have transpired, uh, in terms of me getting an opportunity to play in a different fashion, but obviously we're not always in control of that. And, and, you know, uh, you know, to me, it was just kind of another example in in life of uh, you know the importance of preparation and just kind of always being prepared for whatever your opportunities may come and being able to recognize those opportunities and run with them. And uh, you know, that season we actually kind of went back and forth, week in and week out, 
of one weekend I would be number two, the next weekend Scott would be number two. Right. And uh, the weekend, you know, the next game we'd go back, and I would be the backup, and then the weekend after, and that was just kind of a, you know, the way Coach Tress was was playing things. And as the the rotation uh, shook out, actually going into into that Illinois week, that was that was Scott's week to to be the backup. Yeah. Uh, so when everything happened with uh, with Steve, um, you know, it was it was just. You know, Coach Tress wasn't going to change anything, and uh, it was kind of understood that there was a, a really good chance that we were both going to play. And um, so I knew Scott was going to start, and uh, you know, we came out in the first half, and I think uh, Jonathan Wells, just like he did when I was uh, able the next week to get the start against Michigan, uh, Jay Dubs came out and had a real nice first half, and uh, we moved the ball a little bit, but not not a ton offensively. Right, and uh, that allowed myself uh, to step on the field there in the second half, and and uh, we you know made some nice plays toward the end of the game, and and we were right there. Uh, we were we were right there with a chance to uh, to um, you know in our own house uh, take a uh, take a win from the eventual Big Ten champions uh, Illinois right. and um, you know we we they scored to take we had taken the lead I believe they scored to take the lead back they're kicking off to us um, there in the fourth quarter uh, toward the end of the game and we uh, we struggle with the kickoff and we we muff the ball and end up with it on our own five or six yard line or whatever it is and then uh, you know I try to forget but you know sometimes uh, as I mentioned a few minutes ago sometimes we make decisions we wish we could have back and and uh, you know that was just a you know for uh, for lack of a better, uh, lack of a better, you know, way to put it, just a, a rookie mistake, yeah, and uh, didn't exactly. didn't have a clear understanding of what was going on out in the flats, and I was just trying to get a quick uh, six yards, and unfortunately, a guy by the name of Ty Myers for the Illini stepped out underneath uh, an out route. Um, you know, just to the short side there, and uh, you know, I think a lot of Buckeye fans remember what happened next. Pick dude, six, dude, wait a minute, uh, you remember much? Yeah, you remember his name? I mean, uh, that's why it stood oh, out. Oh yeah, yeah, there's certain things. There's certain things in life you don't forget. I remember, uh, I remember the guy who played quarterback in front of me my very first year of flag football when my dad was a coach and I had to play center. I'll never forget that name oh, either. Man. <laughs> yeah, of course you won't. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so but but you know, I, I was I was fortunate enough. Um, you know, to be ready, to be prepared, and to to do to do some nice things in that second half. Yes, and uh, we we moved the ball and we we threw the ball pretty well for you know for you know really being my first meaningful minutes. And uh, um, you know, I played well enough to to earn the trust of uh, of of Coach Tress and the staff to uh, to be named the starter for that following week up in Ann Arbor. Let me interrupt you here, though. So, Craig, so when when did Coach Tressel? I don't think I've ever been asked you this. When did he precisely tell you you're the guy, you're going to be the starter? You know, he he obviously made that proclamation, you know, nine, ten months earlier, eleven months earlier. But when did he when did he let you know you were going to be his guy? You know, I, I honestly, Tim, here's what here's what uh, here's what you're going to laugh at. Um, I can tell you Ty Meyer's name. I can tell you that it was coming yeah. out of the, the north end, you know, headed toward the south stands, coming out on our five-yard line. It was to the flats to the right. But I really don't remember the exact moment wow. <laughs> that I found out that I was going to be starting. Um, no, you, uh, you weren't, know, no, you weren't just going to be starting. You were going to be starting the game against Michigan, you know what I mean, in your home state. Uh, I mean, and you don't remember that moment when Coach Trussell said, you're the guy. Wow. No, I, I really don't. I don't. 
I don't remember the exact moment or the exact conversation. You know, it's kind of one of those things that uh, obviously that week was very, um, uh, it was very uh, surreal. Yeah. You know, just that whole process. Everything happening with Steve kind of last minute realizing that, you know, I'm going to actually have a really good chance to get some significant playing time uh, against Illinois. And then, uh, you know, doing doing what I did there in the second half and, and what we did offensively. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, then just it's Michigan week, you know, what's going on, who's playing, who's starting, um, you know, to the, like I said, right now in my mind, I, I can't tell you, wow. you know, the exact moment when I found that out. Um, but, uh, you know, to me, that's the kind of thing that doesn't matter. You know, yeah. the interception of Ty Myers, that one mattered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the exact moment I found out didn't matter because, you know, in my mind, um, you know, when you're sitting in that position of a backup quarterback, um, you, you have to be prepared at any moment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you had to be prepared to play the week before, had to be prepared to start in Ann Arbor if that was going to be the case. Yeah. I mean, the process, you were into the process at that point. Uh, take me to, take me to that game in Ann Arbor. It you, you couldn't have been a better start for you guys. You know, your, your first start is a collegian. Are you kidding me? You know, in the big house, but y'all jump out to that big lead, but just take me, you know, Jonathan Wells went off, um, you you made some timely throws, et cetera, but just take me what what because I'm trying to you know people trying to imagine what's Justin Fields going to be feeling or you know thinking or sensing walking in there for the first time as a starting quarterback. You know, obviously he's been a starter all year, but still that place is kind of different. But you know what what were you feeling sensing back then that you remember? A lot of nerves, a uh, few nerves. I mean, what do you remember about it? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think at the end of the day, anybody tells you that you, you get thrust into that situation or, you know, what, what Justin and these guys are going to be dealing with on, uh, on uh, Saturday here after Thanksgiving, um, you know, but there's always butterflies. There's always that little bit of anxiety leading up to that game or to that moment. I mean, yeah. I, I had I had that little bit of anxiety before every game. Uh, it's just, you know, you're excited, you're kind of jacked up, you're ready to go out there and play and, and try to try to display your skill and your craft to the best of your ability. And, and you're doing it, um, you know, in front of 100,000 people or you're, you're doing it knowing that millions of people are watching. Uh, you know, for us going into that game, um, the big difference, I think, from what these guys are, are facing on Saturday and, uh, you know, conversely, you know, the same thing, big difference in that 01 game, uh, versus what we were facing in 02. Um, you know, we weren't dealing with, with high level expectations. Yeah, you know, exactly. right? We're, we're headed up to Ann Arbor. I'm getting my first start. Um, you know, that, that was a game that, uh, you know, we were underdogs. We were not expected to win. You know, so we didn't have to deal with the kind of that national big picture pressure. Uh, that these guys are going to be feeling on Saturday, or that we felt at home in O2, which is, hey, this this game. I mean, every game matters, but but damn, this game really matters. Yes. You know, this is yes. you know, these, these guys got to go to Ann Arbor, <laughs> and uh, they got to make a statement on Saturday. You know, Justin Fields, Chase Young, and company. I mean, these you know these guys got to go out. You got to handle your business. You got to look professional doing it. You got to do it the right way and execute. You know, because because right now, um, with two games you know left in this season. Um, they're still fighting for that number one spot. And, you know, this year especially, uh, that number one spot 
could make a big difference in that first first round of uh, of of the college football playoff in terms of a matchup of who you get. Like, I, there's no question you'd rather uh, me personally. I'd rather play uh, a Georgia than uh, than Dabo Sweeney, yeah, and Clemson, yeah. You know, so so they're they're going out there with some 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 high expectations and some heavy weight on their shoulders. You know, for us back in '01, um, you know, I don't know that too many people expected anything. But here's the deal: the great part about football is nobody has higher expectations for those boys on Saturday than themselves. Yeah. And nobody had higher expectations for myself, for our offense and for our team going into Ann Arbor in 2001 than we did. Uh, you know, not the coaches, not the fans, not the media, not our parents. You know, I can guarantee you uh, at the end of any game, you know, the players are the ones that know more than any of us, that they didn't play as well as they could, no matter what the outcome of the game is. You know, these, these guys stepped off the field Saturday against Penn State. They knew that they screwed up. Yeah. They know and they, they have higher expectations for themselves than, than any of us do. So, you know, going into that game in Ann Arbor, um, you know, we, we expected to win. You know, you, it's Ohio State football. That's why you come here. You come here to beat Michigan. You come here to compete for the Big Ten. You come here to win national championships. And, you know, a lot of things that season hadn't gone our way. Um, at times and moments, and we faced a lot of adversity, but, you know, it is still the game. And, uh, you know, we, we still had an opportunity to go in there and, and, um, make a splash in Ann Arbor, something at the time. Don't think it had been done in, I think, 14 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, since well, since the Earl Bruce game, <laughs> I mean, bottom line, that was it was it was a, it was a drought, so to speak. Uh, you know, real quick, as you as you think back on it now, what just went right more than anything else that day? Do you think? I mean, number one, I, I remember talking to Coach uh, Trestle because that was a game played after Thanksgiving, one of the few times you know until they expanded the schedule now. And I remember seeing him on Thanksgiving Day for a little media thing, and as we're walking out, I said, "I said, you know, Michigan, this team is beatable." And he goes, "Oh, I know, I know." You know, and then we separated. And his point was, you know, that wasn't a uh, neither that wasn't a juggernaut team, and y'all were. He thought y'all were better than y'all had played the week before, obviously. But what do you remember? You just went right more than anything else that day in Ann Arbor, Craig. Uh, I mean, the first thing that pops into my mind, there's two things that went right that day. Um, one is Jonathan Wells before he, uh, he yeah. got hurt, uh, yeah. that first half, uh, J dub, J dub had, you know, uh, the half of, of a lifetime. Uh, you know, when you, if you could oh, draw yeah. things up as an Ohio state football player and to go out and rush for, you know, I think you rushed for a buck 28 and a couple scores in the first half. I yeah. mean, if you, if you're an Ohio state running back and you're going into your last Michigan game and someone tells you, Hey man, you're going to get hurt, but you're going to rush for 130 yards and two scores in the first half. Do you take it? <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. I think most guys would probably say yes. And then obviously the other thing that sticks out from that football game was our defense and just ball hawks and uh, the, the timely uh, mistakes that John Navarre uh, you know, put on the board for us as a team. I think I can't remember exactly if he had four or five interceptions that game, but it was a lot. Yes. And, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier, uh, offensively, um, you know, we played, uh, like, like Coach Dress, you know, did for, for, you know, the greater part of, of the early part of his career, uh, as our head coach, you know, a very conservative game plan, especially when the other team gives you the ball that many times. Yeah. Uh, but we made some timely third down conversions along the way to keep drives moving. 
um, you know, in that first half, a, a, a 50 or 60 yard fourth and two or whatever it was run by Jonathan Wells for a touchdown. Yeah. Obviously a key play there, but more than anything, uh, just, just what our guys up front did, you know, to control the line of scrimmage there, especially in the first half. Uh, and then uh, the plays that our defense made to, to get the football back in our hands a, a number of times in that game. Uh, you know, we're talking about the Ohio State-Penn State game this past weekend, and how the Buckeyes turned it over three times and, and kept it a game. Uh, you know, add another turnover or two to that uh, tally, and and uh, that's the recipe of uh, that's the recipe to lose games. Yeah, crazy. Hey, as you look back on it now, Craig, I told you I call it the Lesource. I mean, Lesource is the uh, first turn at Spa Francorchamps, my favorite racetrack in Formula One uh, in Belgium. But it's just like a great classic uh, place, and Lesource means where everything comes from after that, you know. And uh, um, that's a general that's a general definition. But it, did, did as you look back on it now, did things change in this series from that moment on when y'all y'all sort of like uh, popped the pinata? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think when you look at just the general course of uh, history <laughs> the, of the of the history of it, you can't you can't deny that. I mean, that's a that's an easy uh, observation for us to sit back and, and make backwards. Yeah, um, you know, in terms of the real exact reasons why, you know, for me, my even for me, it's a little bit harder to pinpoint. I think over the last uh, you know sixteen years or whatever it's been, um, you know, things definitely changed. That I think our expectations. Obviously, the next year in '02 was a huge year because yes. that was a Michigan game that mattered. They came into our house, and it was it was win that game and and have a chance to go uh, go compete for what we all dream of, or you know yeah. lose that game like so many teams in the '90s did, so many great Buckeye teams did in the '90s, and 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 have to answer those questions. And uh, you know, for us to be able to pull that one out, close game at home, I um, mean, you know, I think it definitely definitely started a trend and uh you know we went up there again my senior year and and fought him tough but chris perry uh you know going back to the jonathan wells thing chris perry had the game of his life and uh, his last michigan game yeah and uh, unfortunately put the you know i think he had 185 yards rushing and a few scores and and uh we lost that 135 21 but um you know after that i think the big difference when you look at this rivalry and uh it's it's a fairly obvious one and i think we're going to see it again on saturday is you know getting toward the tail end of lloyd carr's career up there in ann arbor um, you know, for, for a decade and a half now, Michigan just hasn't had the players. Yeah. You know, college football is all about the athletes. It's all about the guys that are on the field and how talented they are. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for Michigan uh, fans, fortunately for Buckeye fans, <laughs> but unfortunately for, uh, for Michigan fans up there, you know, they just, you know, they haven't had the talent to compete. I mean, they've, they've got some good players, but, you know, they don't have anything in terms of, of, uh, athletes on the field that 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 team like Ohio State does this year, yeah. and uh, that's not to say that it's going to be a blowout. That's not to say that uh, you know Michigan not doesn't have a chance to beat Ohio State this weekend. But you know, uh, on paper, when you look player for player, recruit for recruit, uh, it's it's not even close. Yeah. I mean, this Buckeye team is loaded, and we have been more talented them for than them. Excuse me for you know fourteen, fifteen years now. Huh. You win with people, as Woody Hayes said. One last thing, I'll let you go. And I really, truly appreciate you coming on my podcast. If you had a little bit of advice for Justin Fields, what would it be walking into that stadium on Saturday? 
<laughs> number one piece of advice for Justin. You know, man, just just you do you. Yeah. <laughs> just be yourself. I mean, that that kid is so talented. Um, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, the way he can throw the football, run the football, his size, his strength. You know, I really think we've we've had a chance to to you know get that glimpse of his development this year under Ryan Day and that coaching staff and. Um, you know, watching him grow in decision making and, and getting rid of the football at times where maybe in the earlier in the season he wasn't, he was trying to make too much. Uh, you know, so for me, just, just go out there and be yourself and, and, and just, you know, continue to play with that high level of trust in his teammates that we've seen him play with all season, uh, which is just get rid of the football, get it in their hands. Um, you know, let, let Chris, let Benjamin, let KJ, let JK, let all these guys just, I mean, there's so many weapons on that field that, you know, he, he can throw for five or six touchdowns and not have to throw the ball more than 10 yards downfield. Yeah. You know, if they, yeah. if they set things up right, not that that's going to happen, but, uh, uh, you know, just understand that it's it's such a, a privilege uh, to be able to play in this football game. Um, you know, walk through, walk out of that locker room the first time, look around, and just smile. Just smile and, and have that confidence in how good he is, how good they are, and, uh, you know, just go out and let it all happen. Hey, as I've told you many, many times, I'll tell you again, uh, it is always a pleasure, Craig. It has always been a pleasure speaking with you, and uh, that will continue. And uh, I'll leave you with this thought. I mean, I was kind of hitting up – Jim Trussell back in 2003, why y'all weren't, you know, 2000, 2003, why y'all didn't throw the ball more with the weapons y'all had, you know, you could have, you could have been, you could have been one of those great passers uh, from a passing yardage standpoint in Ohio State history if y'all just let loose a little bit more, but you know, Trussell Ball didn't call for that, I guess. That's too bad, but uh, that's my editorial comment. uh, I mean, Michael Jenkins, man, he was a talent. You know, we we, we had so much talent as well back then, and, uh, you know, I would have loved to to have had that opportunity and to you know be able to go into some of those games with a little different mindset. But at the end of the day, Tim, you know this football is team sport. Yeah. And uh, you know, as as in my opinion, when you're building any team, any organization, if you can get guys to buy into whatever your plan is going to be and to work their butts off to execute it, uh, you have a chance to be successful. And I I can tell you, I you know twenty. Uh, 26 games my last two years and, uh, you know, 24 wins, uh, unfortunately two blemishes on the scorecard, um, would love to love to have those erased and, and have had that, uh, 26 and, and zero. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I wouldn't trade any of it for, uh, for anything. I mean, it was just such a great ride, such a great experience, such a great, a group of guys that I got to go out there and battle with for, uh, for two straight years. And, uh, and, 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 and be part of the history of this program, uh, that, that kind of got it back, you know, that kind of turned things around. And, 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 you know, we went through a few years, my earlier in my career where we were, you know, marginal, we were average. And, um, you know, from Ohio state standards, we were, we were below average. And, uh, that's not why you, uh, that's not why you signed that letter of intent. That's not why you come to Ohio state. And, uh, you know, we were blessed enough to be a part of, uh, part of the movement that, that, that put the Buckeyes back on the map that put a national championship, uh, trophy back in the case. And, uh, you know, I think you look back uh, a number of years later, uh, the guys after us have done a tremendous job of building upon that, too. Absolutely. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Craig Krenzel. Craig, I really appreciate it. Like I said, it's always a pleasure, and I'll see you down the road, man. I really appreciate you coming on my podcast. Yep, sounds good, brother. Always a pleasure, Tim. All Take right. care. Oh, you got it, man. Ladies and gentlemen, it was Craig Krenzel. Uh, I got a uh, little goosebumps there on some of the things he was talking about, including the way, yes, I mean, this oil tanker <laughs> turned around. And, you know, and now you see what, lo and behold, a lot of modern-day Ohio State fans don't remember maybe the tough times uh, back in the uh, – and it weren't really tough times. It was just tough times in the game during the John Cooper era. Otherwise, so John Cooper had probably seven or eight of the greater teams that ever played at Ohio State. Uh, but there was definitely, at the end, uh, Andy Geiger and the powers that be decided there were change to be made. They went to that change. They made that change to Jim Trussell. Jim Trussell came in with a plan. And uh, there's no doubt that from that moment on, the fortunes, especially in the game and really nationally, turned almost 180 degrees for Ohio State. And I'm going to be back in just a moment to talk with another guy who maybe gives us a little bit more insight into that change and maybe a little more insight into this game coming up on Saturday because he kind of follows things like that for a living. Well, I'll be back with that little special guest in just a moment. Hey, college football fans, it's Zach Bourne here. You need to check out BetDSI.com. BetDSI is a great way to use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash. That's right. BetDSI is the top-rated online sports book. They've been paying winners for over 20 years. The reason they've been around that long is because they have got the fastest payouts in the industry. Plus, the user interface and mobile site is the best in the business. Play, win, and get paid. It's that simple. It doesn't matter if it's college football, the NFL, NBA, NHL, UFC, eSports, reality TV, virtually anything. You can bet it. You can bet on it at betdsi.com and get paid right now. There's no better way to add some excitement to games that you already are watching. Check out their live betting where you can bet on games throughout the entire matchup, every play, and every minute until the end. BetDSI has a special deal for Letterman Row fans. Use the promo code ROW100 to get a 100% bonus match. That's more than double. That's right, more than double your money to start winning today. Once again, go to BetDSI.com and use promo code ROW100 and get this limited 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash on the sports you know and love. BetDSI promo code ROW100. Now back to the show. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. And speaking of uh, legends from the past, I've got another one coming up here. Um, this young man grew up on a farm outside Chillicothe, Ohio. He was driving a tractor by the time he was five. Um, he was uh, – I, I, I've always thought that the young man should run for governor one of these days because he had that sort of presence about him, that kind of cool demeanor that you like and sort of a deep, a natural radio voice more than anything else. But uh, he knew how to put things in perspective even as a young man. And I'll just welcome him aboard now. Ben Hartsock, welcome to the Tim May Podcast. I appreciate it. Well, you're you're showing your questioning questionable judgment, Tim. Uh, <laughs> politics. I would have been I would have been a terrible politician. I'm in a much better field now. I appreciate your kind words, but uh, I would I would <laughs> not not the space for me for sure. Oh my goodness, man! That was a Pandora. That was a Pandora's box. A can of worms you just opened there. I could go all kinds of different directions about being worthy or not, but I digress. I won't get into that. Ben, let's just get right into it. I mean, you know, uh, one of the reasons I wanted you on my show this week is, uh, like I like I told Craig Krenzel, y'all were part of the Lay Source. Lay Source is the beginning of the change of yeah. the Ohio State uh, Michigan series, the turning of I call it the turning of the oil tanker. You know, from two ten and one to now sixteen and two. That's crazy when you think about it. But uh, 
you know, is it crazy to you too that this series change has changed so dramatically? Yeah, you know, it 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 is dramatic, and it uh, I, I'm excited about it, and and it's gotten so lopsided that there are even people that will kind of say, you know what, we it's not as important anymore because it's gotten so lopsided, and and I recognize that you need this game to matter for it to uh to continue the the majesty that it that it you know it has yeah but i want i think right now we need nine more wins to even the score right to get us in the the, the all-time winning column and i you know I'm, i do radio with john jansen a, a michigan player from 97 and i give him a hard time and i said listen ohio state spotted michigan like 20 wins in the 18 and early 1900s i don't yeah. i don't like that so I, I don't choose to recognize those, but the reality is in that all-time win-loss column, I want Ohio State to get that tilted in the right direction. Uh, but, you know, just, just to be a small chapter of that. And like you say, I, I, that's how I describe my experience uh, at Ohio State. The, the, the Ohio State-Michigan game was we were. We were the one that drew the line in the sand and, and turned, uh, turned the tide and, and got Ohio State on this tremendous run that they've had. Jim John Cooper John Cooper as I as I pointed out earlier in the show John Cooper had some of the great teams in Ohio State history I mean you know you look and the talented I mean you know there was a team one time that had Orlando Pace Corey Stringer and Eddie George on it you know and then in 95 oh. and then in 96 and then in 98 and clearly he recruited he had great teams, but those were he was going against great Michigan teams back then too and stuff but what do you remember do you remember as you look back on it now? Was there something missing between the John Cooper prep for the game and the Jim Trussell prep? What do you remember about that? You know, as you talk about the all-time great teams, Tim, it brought up. I was asking a guy, a local guy from Columbus, the other day on my radio show, the same thing. Where, where does this current Ohio State team? Where is it going to fall historically with all-time Buckeye greats? And he reminded me of that '95 Ohio State football team with Eddie George. Orlando Pace, Terry Glenn, Bobby Hoying, Ricky Dudley, Sean Springs, yeah. Antoine Winfield, Mike Vrabel. Yeah. I mean, Matt Finkus. Just, yeah. <laughs> Matt Finkus, Luke, Luke Fickle. Fickle, all of those guys. What Crazy. an incredible grouping of talent. And uh, time will tell, history, history will, will show where this Ohio State team goes because they're, that team, that 95 team was, was 11 and 2, which is a good team, but. They certainly don't look as dominant as this year's team. Isn't no. that fascinating? I think it's yeah. The, what what you know what's fascinating is is I remember I, you know I covered Buster Douglas when he beat Mike Tyson and all that stuff, but I covered a bunch of boxing way back then. And you know uh, J D McCauley was a trainer for Buster Douglas. His his basically his line was styles make fights. You know what I mean? It's you yeah. can have a great fighter here and a great fighter there, but this fighter just has what that guy doesn't. You know, at the right time and and yeah. uh, can take care of business. And I kind of think that's what it was all about back then. Because no, you're right. Even the '98 team, you know, '96 with uh with Castlemore, you're coming on as a freshman, and you know we can talk about that at nauseum but they couldn't couldn't get it done in the game you know and uh what 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 do you remember about you know you remember trestle coming on board you were around then what what changed what changed then well you know i I kind of think the end of the cooper era kind of mimics what i've seen the michigan team having last last year's michigan team was was a talented talented football program and, and that game, the blowout that Ohio State had was not indicative of the talent 
that Michigan possessed last season. But there is a I don't know what you would what you'd characterize it almost as a malaise, uh, uh, just a a doubt that creeps into a locker room. Yeah, that that Michigan has been down for so long now that it just it's so hard to it becomes the self fulfilling prophecy. And and I felt that I, I I feel that more now. I didn't recognize it when I was a I was a student athlete at Ohio State in those years that we were we were struggling under John, Coach Cooper. But we also knew. Two, 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 ten, and one. Fact: We knew that we hadn't been able to get past Michigan, and and I'll tell you, we people always ask about you know effort and yeah. trap games and and destiny. I've never bought into that as a player. We practice our butts off every week, and especially for the Michigan week, there wasn't ever anything that was effort lacking of John Cooper. It wasn't a lack of preparation. It was just be, there was just this this doubt that had crept in over the years yeah. and you get into these games and when the talent and the circumstances are so high balls tend to bounce one way and when you're for whatever reason when you're that team that has to let that that doubt creep in mm-hmm. it kind of becomes that self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. and and john cooper had had that and that was ultimately the the end of his tremendous reign as a as the coach at, at ohio state and and it's what Michigan is dealing with now and their uh, dry spell that they've had here for over a decade. Yeah. And yeah. and I'll tell you it was so amazing one of the the most transformative moments I had as an athlete was watching Jim Tressel come in and 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 draw that line in the sand and and the most well documented example of that was when he spoke at the Schottenstein Center and and came out and made his declaration that in so many days you'll be proud of our student athletes in ann arbor michigan and i was at that game as a student athlete i hadn't hardly even met him yet yeah and it i I still get chill bumps thinking about that moment because i realized then okay he just put his his credibility on the line yeah he just absolutely as much as a coach can put himself and interject himself into the field of competition Coach Tressel did that. So that's the most well-documented example of how he drew the line in the sand and says, no more. Yeah. Absolutely no more. We're not going to do this. We are going to change the narrative. We are going to change that storyline. But how then, okay, you make that statement, then how do you change it? Well, it became part of the fabric of what we were as a football team. (laughs) Immediately, the countdown clock went up in the weight room you know, 300 and whatever days is is when we play that team up North and it became practices during spring and summer. We would have Michigan's period, uh, you know, an extra, an extra set of wind sprints, an extra set of practice reps that were focused on Michigan week. So it became a focal point, which is kind of uh, taboo in the world of coaching. It's one game at a time. You don't look ahead, but with coach Tressel, it it absolutely wasn't. It's a, yeah, we're obviously going to be working towards this week's opponent, but every week's opponent involves a little bit of preparing for Michigan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy because you know Coach Meyer took up that same deal. I mean, he, he had this. He took the same approach. Kept the countdown clock. Took the same approach about a you know they call it the team up north period. And every practice. I mean, if you're you know if you're ever around. I mean, I remember when I was sitting outside the practice facility last year. You know when we weren't allowed in and all that chaos was going on uh, about off the field and. Uh, uh, 
bottom line is I'm sitting there. They went into the you know the team up north period even then uh, with uh, Ryan Day running the show there temporarily, and and it's crazy because I don't know if they were actually if y'all actually practiced stuff you were going to use against Michigan, but clearly it kept it in the in the at least maybe not the forefront but the middle of your mind, right? And you never shy away from it. That was what Coach Tressel yeah. did. Is is he never he he emphasized that specific game but one of the other unique things that coach Tressel did is is he brought his own traditions that he implemented the singing of carmen ohio uh but he also emphasized those other traditions around the university uh you know senior tackle and just the importance of those traditions we we did book reports on on uh (laughs) paul brown we did book reports on uh different football uh, ohio state legends and he he really emphasized the history of this university, and and that was a part of bringing us back. Is that yes, you're you're as an Ohio State athlete, you're one of the you're a celebrity in the state, but there were people before you, and there will be people after you, mm-hmm. and ultimately, all you can control is the four years that you have to write your own chapter in this great history. Yeah, it is kind of interesting when you think about it because you know uh, as players, I think as band of brothers, you want to think like you're playing for each other, but you know, I grew up an Alabama fan, you know, I mean, everybody knows that. And you're playing, you're playing for people who may never, ever get to ever be in Ohio Stadium, much less see a game there, you know. And, uh, but I, I, I think, uh, Coach Trussell brought, brought that to bear as much as anybody that there's, there's more to it than just you, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You are, you're, you're a part of a great history. And you get a chapter in that that great history. All right, let's jump real quick, uh, Ben. Like you said, you got the Sirius XM Radio, uh, the Big Ten Show. You're on with John Jansen and and those guys. You guys keep up with stuff as well as anybody. I've been on your show a couple times. I enjoy being a guest on there, even though I talk too much. But I I digress. Uh, what do you What is it about What are, What is it about this Michigan team that uh, that Ohio State fans and Ohio the Ohio State team should be wary of? This year's team. Yes. Well, th- th- they have seemingly figured it out. Uh, there were so many high expectations with bringing in Josh Gaddis uh, and and Shea Patterson's development, and and all, you know there were a lot of high expectations for Michigan. That that you look at the Big Ten, especially with Urban Meyer stepping down, and Justin Fields was an unknown product before the season. That that I didn't. That most people thought that this was Michigan's opportunity to seize Ohio State's vulnerability with an unproven head coach and a, and a transfer quarterback that we don't know. Yeah. Well, now that the season has fleshed itself out, we've seen that, that coach, both coach day and Justin Fields are strong, but Michigan, Michigan tripped over itself during the whole entire early part of this season, but they flipped a switch for the second half of the Penn state game. And it, it was uh, Jim, Jim uh, Harbaugh came out and told the sideline reporter, I believe this will be our finest hour. Yes. And that started the turn. They didn't win that game, but since that game, they have figured it out. Uh, and, and, and as I've talked to Michigan reporters that, uh, that are around the team day in, day out, it's, it's not been a magic change. It's not been a giant schematic adjustment. It's just that it took longer than expected for this program to get accustomed to the Josh Gaddis way. Mm-hmm. Uh, their run game has come on. Zach Charbonnet and, and Hassan Haskins uh, have figured out, and the offensive line, that group is gelling. The wide receivers that we ultimately knew 
uh, with uh, Tariq Black and Donovan Peoples Jones and Collins and Bell. Uh, those guys, we knew that they were talented, but they're they're just finally figuring it out and they're they're peaking and clicking here at the right time. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm excited because ultimately, again, the, the Ohio State Michigan game is always going to be significant. It's always going to be highly contested, but you want your opponent. You've, you've, you want your opponent to be at his best, and and I think Michigan is a team that uh, really just they, they stumbled over themselves early, but they've they've got things figured out and they're clicking and they're peaking at the right time. You know how you think sometimes going to a game is going to be high scoring and it turns out to be ten to eight, and then yeah. sometimes you think it's going to be ten to eight and it turns out to be thirty nine thirty seven. What's mm-hmm. what's your take yep. on this, Ben Hartsock, uh, future governor? Uh, possible uh, presidential candidate down the road, but what's your take on <laughs> this game? Let's get let's have some prognostications. No, I, I don't I necessarily need just... a score, but what what is you do? You, do you think this could develop into an offensive uh, slugfest? Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of points put on the board. Um, you know, Don Brown's going to have a strong off- uh, defensive plan for the Wolverines, uh, but but I just look at this Ohio State team. Their offensive line has gotten so little credit for the success that this team has had offensively. Justin Fields has executed tremendously, but there are a lot of times where, where him and J.K. Dobbins are running through holes the size of a Mack truck, and they're not getting they're not getting touched until 6, 8, 10 yards downfield. And then to those guys' credit, they're able to make moves or run people over to get the, you know, to take a 10 yard gain and turn into a 30 yard gain. Yeah. But off this offensive line is gelling. So I, I look at it as being a high sca- a high scoring affair. Uh, Chase Young obviously is a juggernaut right now. And, and as exciting as it is to see Chase Young and what he's done, he's really cementing his legacy in the all-time greats as Ohio State defenders. I'm excited. Uh, uh, Smith, uh, Tyreek Tyre Smith and, and Zach Harrison, like there's a pipeline behind Chase Young that I'm excited are getting reps out to see them get into a big game and, and start – building their legacy early right like yeah. that's the exciting part of ohio state and what coach day is doing and urban meyer has built is is when nick bosa went down chase young stepped up and when chase young goes on to the nfl it'll be the time for these next guys that's the exciting part but i as good as that these defenses are i do think that ohio state's going to put up a bunch of points and i think that uh, shea patterson is is finding chemistry with his wide receivers, and then when you find chemistry with your wide receivers and your run game starts gelling, then you can start playing complementary football. So I think there's going to be some points put on board this game. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Ben Hartsock, one of the great people I've ever met uh, covering Ohio State. When I've been covering Ohio State football, and uh, like I said, you know, if he decides to run for uh, governor one of these days, <laughs> he would have my vote. I'm not sure what party he would be part of. Probably be the up with farmers party, but. Uh, I digress. <laughs> hey Ben, on this Turkey Day, uh, Turkey Day week, I really appreciate you coming on, man, and uh, some of the memories you evoked there, especially from the big turnaround of the Ohio State football program in the game, man. They they gave me goosebumps while you were talking about them. Yeah, I appreciate it. Always good to talk to you, Tim. You got it, man. See you next time, Thanks, man. Yep, Ladies and gentlemen, that was Ben Hartsock. Well, like I said, one of the great people I've ever met. Uh, tight end. He actually caught a few more passes. Some of these tight ends. Uh, of of current of the current ilk, uh, like I like I told somebody the other day, I think it was my friend uh, Boston Ward. You know, you can't spell T's without T E, and I think the T's he's tight is now throw him a few passes every now and then just to make them think they might be part of the big passing picture one of these days. But you know what? I'm going to be back in just a moment with yet another special guest on this Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving week as Ohio State gets ready to play Michigan in the big house in the game 
uh, with nothing really. Well, there's still a lot hanging on the on the line for Ohio State, although a lot of people think Ohio State is going to make the uh, college football playoff regardless of what happens Saturday if, in fact, they take care of business in two weeks in the Big Ten championship games. Big Ten championship game, I wouldn't take that for granted, not in, in the least. Uh, but uh, this, this promises to be a great version of the game no matter what the final score is. I'll be back in a moment with someone who can help me put that into more perspective from the Michigan side. Hey, Buckeye fans, as the official wing sponsor of your Ohio State Buckeyes, Roosters is giving away 12 trips for two to this year's Buckeye Bowl game. Each trip comes complete with airfare, hotel, gift bag, and two lower-level tickets. One bowl prize winner chosen each week, along with other cool Roosters weekly prizes. So register every week at your favorite Roosters or at RoostersWings.com. Roosters, a fun, casual joint, and the official wing sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. Official contest rules at RoostersWings.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, save, uh, you know, I'm not, well, I guess I'm not going to say best for last because on the last, the last guest on my show on this uh, particular week is going to be Boston Austin Ward. Uh, so, but uh, so the best for next to last is what I guess I would call this is my longtime friend. Uh, we we first met when she was covering auto racing. Uh, just like when I, I was covering the Indianapolis 500, she was too. But then she also started covering uh, Michigan football. Her name is Angelique Shingelis. Uh, Angelique, welcome to my show. Tim, what an introduction! Yeah, we had great times at the Indianapolis 500. I, you know, that is where we that's where we had this wonderful, long relationship, great friendship. Yeah, and it's really ironic that your husband of you know here you are you you're from Cincinnati. Uh, you cover Michigan football, and your husband, David, is a doctor who graduated from Ohio State, is one of the biggest Ohio State fans out there. How has that worked out over the years? <laughs> it's worked out fine. I mean, you know, I think if uh, someone checked out my DNA, I mean, like you said, I grew up in Cincinnati. I grew up a, a big Ohio State fan, and I uh, my sister actually found – some pictures of me uh, when I was a little girl. I'm wearing my Ohio State sweatshirt. I got my my father's big heart, uh, you know, heart yes. of it all uh, rug. I'm holding it. I've got my finger up, you know, number one. And then I lost to that. Michi- Michigan had beaten uh, Ohio State that year. My aunt was from Ann Arbor, and I had to wear the Michigan sweatshirt she sent me. And I looked absolutely miserable in the second photograph. What a harbinger. So, <laughs> it was terrible. It was, you know, child abuse at that time, wearing a Michigan sweatshirt, living in Cincinnati. But yeah. you know what? It's, uh, you know, you cover it like a professional, like you do. Yeah. So um, it's, uh, it's I, I, I'm just so grateful, Tim, that I did grow up watching this rivalry, and I'm, I'm so grateful that I get to cover it. Yeah. And every year I, I, I you know, I, I, I just love, I love this week more than any, and I love that game more than any. Yeah, you know it's funny because I, I I got goosebumps where you're talking there because I grew up watching football like you wouldn't believe, and the Ohio State Michigan game was you know I grew up in Alabama and in Texas, and the Ohio State Michigan game was always on you know at the end of the year. I always thought, man, what what, what would we like to be there? I mean, you know, because I'm really into the tradition of college football as much as anything else. And then, like you said, when you get immersed into like actually covering it. You know, you kind of see the warts, you know, <laughs> behind mm-hmm, the scenes mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But it has not diminished, in my opinion, this great rivalry. And, you know, I told everybody when Ohio State went 2-10-1, all that did was increase the fervor for Ohio State yeah. fans about getting it 
change, get, making it change. Now it's two and sixteen uh, for mm-hmm. Michigan the last eighteen years. And Angelique, you know, by the way, ladies, I didn't fully uh, introduce her. She's been covering Michigan football for the Detroit News for uh, several decades, even though she doesn't look like it. But uh, <laughs> but I digress. The bottom line is. How has that changed, do you think, for Michigan fans in their, quote, respect of the, of the series, which appeared to be waning in the late, 19, late 1990s? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, this week, it definitely feels different this week. And, and maybe last year they were talking about the revenge tour. And, yeah. and I remember talking to, you know, some Ohio State people, and I thought that that, that was the year that Michigan would, would upend Ohio State. And obviously that didn't happen. And this year now that – that things have been sort of, uh, they're picking up some momentum and playing better and Josh Gattis' offense and, oh, this is speed and space and, and things are happening. There is definitely a um, different level of excitement among the fans up here. But I will tell you, Tim, I mean, I've talked to a lot of former players in the last week and a half or so and, and guys who played in this game and guys who won and beat Ohio State and they're just, they're still, they see so many really what they focus on is Ohio State. And they say, look, they've got all Americans across the board. And the thing is, if one of them goes down, they've got another all American to plug in. And and that's tough to to face. And and Michigan doesn't have that yet. And, 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 you know, I'm sure that's what they're trying to achieve, but um, you know, so I think that they look at it with a little bit more of a, you know, analytically. Yeah. Yeah. And a better perspective on it. But, Emotionally, I, I think I've never gotten texts from uh, friends who are who are Michigan alums saying this is it, this is the year. So uh, it really depends on on who you talk to. I mean, obviously these players want to see Michigan win. It's the 50th anniversary of the the '69 uh, win, the Michigan win over over Woody and and that great Ohio State team, and yes. they're all having their reunion. They're going to be the honorary captains for Michigan. So there is that kind of like, well, is it going to be that? Is it, can they match that? And, um, you know, I just think if you look at it analytically, it, it it's it's not it, – emotion plays a big role, as you know, but um, it's not, not the only role yeah. Yeah, that, that uh, goes into this game. Yeah, it's so, it's so weird, though, when you think about, you know, it's not like it's been lopsided on the field every year. It's just in the win-loss column it's lopsided. I mean, I go yes. back – I go back to the spot. Are you kidding me? You know, that was yeah, crazy. Yeah. That was crazy football. You go back to last year, you know, Rashawn Gary was clearly banged up going into that game. Winovich probably shouldn't have even played. And uh, and then Devin Bush, maybe, you know, the best defender on the Michigan side from a physical standpoint at that point gets hurt. You know, and, you, you know, a lot of things go into how things get lopsided. But, but one thing that definitely played a role was Ohio State's just – all-out assault offensively in that game. And that yes. is what has changed so much. You know, I go back to the Bo Schimbecker days when I first started covering Ohio State football in 1984, and I was up here for those late games in the uh, Woody in the Woody Bo series where, you know, 10-3 t- to three was a hell of a game, you know. Or, you know, Ohio, yep. State, <laughs> Ohio State didn't score a touchdown in the last three games of Woody Hayes' uh, games against Michigan, you know, though he'd held sway. And that's, you never know what you're going to get, you know. I mean, 1995 – Ohio State's undefeated with Eddie George on his way to the Heisman Trophy and all those great players. And Tim Biaka Batuka goes crazy in Michigan mm-hmm. Stadium. So anybody thinks they really know what's coming Saturday, you know, you got to kind of let the game play, right? Right. You do. I mean, even the, what the next year, 96. Yes. In Columbus, you know, Sean Springs slips, high streets. You know, that was a low scoring game. And, 
And, you know, then the next year, everybody knows what happens in 97. But, no, you don't know, Tim. And, and you know, it, it really, that's the beauty of this game. I mean, you can go back a couple of years ago, Devin Gardner, if he doesn't break his foot in that game, yeah. you know, maybe on that, that uh, two-point conversion, maybe, you know, they drop a different play that actually would work. Yeah. And, um, you Thomas know, a Powell, Thomas Powell still has that football, by the way. Go ahead now. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's pretty wild. And, you know, and a couple of years ago, I, I mean, it was, I thought it was the best game plan I'd seen Michigan call, Pep Hamilton. And, and John O'Corn, you know, he, he was a quarterback and, and wasn't their best option at that point. And, and maybe if you have a different guy in there, that that's a different outcome. So I, yeah. I do think some of those games have been closer than you think last year. Obviously not. But, um, but, you know, I think they def- they definitely have learned so they learned from that game and and I think Don Brown, Michigan's defensive coordinator. I mean, people have said, oh, he's stubborn. He just does what you know. He sticks with what he knows and and goes all out, Doctor Blitz. But I do think he learned from that game. Uh, the week before, Indiana had done the same thing, but Ohio State did it better with better athletes. Yeah. And and he's adjusted this year and um, probably with personnel not as good as last year that, that Michigan had on defense. Agreed. And, um, you know, I, I think that they've been better in that sense. So, um, you know, so many things, everybody knows, so many things going that You can't just assume Ohio State's going to come in in March. I mean, on paper, I would think so. But, I mean, you just can't assume anything going right. into this game. Absolutely not. I mean, as I, as I said, I always expected Michigan to be desperate going into this game no matter what I'm talking about way back in the summer when everybody was talking about Michigan being the favorite in the Big Ten East and and I was just sort of getting on radio shows and poo-pooing that idea because I just looked at the talent on hand yeah you had a new coach in Ryan Day full-time head coach in Ryan Day and Ohio State had all these new starters on the offensive line new starter at quarterback but the talent that Urban Meyer and his staff had put together has come to full full bloom now. I mean, I think that's right. obvious to everybody. And yet, you knew Michigan has been trying to put it all back together too. But they're, I thought they lost a lot of key personnel that would hurt them in this regard. But what you said has really come about is – I'm not sure if Jim Harbaugh said, okay, Josh, go ahead and run your offense now. <laughs> yeah. You know, at yeah. halftime of that Penn State game. But a drop touchdown pass in that game, man, we're looking at something special. Otherwise, we're looking <laughs> at something special on Saturday. Agreed? I totally agree. And, and you know, you po- you mentioned that game. And that's when, I mean, Jim last week, Harbaugh doesn't, you know, he doesn't like to pinpoint things like right. we do. And, and players, even his players are saying it was the second half at Penn State where they saw a change in themselves. You know, they were down 21 nothing, and they came back different than what happened at Wisconsin when they got deflated almost immediately when they fumbled deep yeah. in the in Wisconsin territory. They just couldn't get it back. And Penn State showed them they had some grit and and they had some guts. And, you know, but, but Harbaugh says last week, you know, you don't plant potatoes and expect to have potato salad the next day. Yeah. He said it's been a gradual process. And, you know, we did laugh at him when he said uh, after that 10-3 win over Iowa that they were hitting their stride. And, you know, I, maybe he did see something in practice that really came to fruition in that second half against Penn State, a near miss, you know, they, they almost had that, that game time touchdown on the fourth down play. And, um, but they have been different. And, and the other big difference, Tim, is that before then, I mean, they had fumbled, uh, had 17 fumbles and lost nine. And, wow. and they have not turned the ball over. I mean, they had, uh, you know, Shea had a, a pick last week. And, um, 
but they've really been protecting the ball, and that's allowed Josh Gaddis to finally get some rhythm in the play calling and get some rhythm going in this offense. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what's funny because what, what, what really almost – well, it didn't ruin it because Ohio State was still better than Penn State last week, but the four, the three turnovers were just yeah. lost fumbles were just huge, and Ohio State has really not been doing that all year. You know, we'll see if that trend continues. Hey, Angelique, don't you think it's very interesting? You know, as long as you've been covering this team and I have, that we're looking at we're looking at Ohio State versus Michigan, and we're looking at the quarterbacks. Shea Patterson was a transfer from Mississippi, Ole Miss. Sure. Uh, Justin Fields is a transfer from Georgia. <laughs> two transfer quarterbacks right at the helm of these two teams. Who would have seen that coming like 25 years ago? You follow my drift <laughs> there? I mean, college football has changed dramatically, right? It really has. I mean, this is the, the whole, I mean, that whole process. And really, Shay, in my mind, is sort of the face of that transfer process. I mean, he was yes. really the one who, who went through it. It was it was a grueling process. It was six, seven months of, of working, and, and they share the same, the, the same lawyer. And, and Tom Mars, and, and he really, it was a much different uh, process than he thought it would be when he set out. And it took a while to get Shea Patterson eligible. And then, boom, you know, here comes Justin Fields from Georgia to Ohio State. Yeah. So it is phenomenal. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that there's the path going forward for college football is, is so cloudy right now. But it's becoming clearer that players want to have more say. And, and we're on the cusp of that and seeing where that goes with the NCA and, and, and with, uh, with, you know, the California law right yeah. now. And, and it's, it's just a different world. But, you know, I say that and you say that, but it still comes down to, to in my mind, still, you know, Saturday. That's it, To me, it's, it's always about Michigan, Ohio State, no matter what's going on outside in the, in the world. And, um, you know, yeah. I'm, tr- I'm not trying to be Pollyanna-ish and, oh, you know, everything's right with the world. It's Michigan, Ohio State. But. Yeah, on the on those few in those few hours and and the and the days leading up to it, it does feel like everything else going on in the college football world doesn't matter. It's it's about that game. Yeah. All right, I'll let you out of, out of here after this. You know, I, I had you on my first show, my first podcast way back when, uh, and I really <laughs> appreciate you put it helping me put my shingle out uh, up on the, uh, you know, hang my shingle out, whatever you call that, whatever doctors do, <laughs> lawyers do. Real quick, how does this game go Saturday in your opinion? My Ohio State's an incredibly talented team. It's probably still going to be number two in the college football playoff rankings. Uh, Michigan, as I called it, uh, we did a show on Channel 10, you know, down here, wall-to-wall sports on Sunday night where we had Shimmy Schimbeckler on, you know, Bo's son. And uh, uh-huh. and we were talking about w- what the difference is for Ohio State Saturday as opposed to Ohio State. And I said, while Ohio State is still playing for, in, a, in a championship mode for a championship season, this is more like a salvage operation for Michigan to salvage a major piece of the 2019 season when a lot of people had high hopes that this was the year they were finally going to get around the corner. They're not going to play for a championship. But what is your sense of this game on Saturday? Uh, you know, who has the – who has the biggest, uh, I don't know, momentum going into the game? And number two, what's just your sense of how it'll go? Well, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I think they both have great momentum. I think, yeah. I honestly think that was a, you know, on it, no one wants to face those turnovers like Ohio State did, but it maybe that humbled them a little bit. Maybe they saw that that they can have, they can make mistakes, and they have to find a way to overcome those. And, and that was probably a good test for Ohio State last week against Penn State. And I mean, you think if they didn't have those those turnovers, what the score might have been. Yeah. And then you look at you look at, at Michigan, and and I mean, I go into this game thinking it, their margin of error is zero. 
And I mean, they cannot make any mistakes and you can't get behind to an Ohio state team and expect to win. Not, not like what they tried to do at Penn state. And, uh, you know, you give up, they gave up a quarter, pardon me, touchdowns early to Michigan state and Indiana. And, you know, they didn't sweat it, but that's, that's not going to be the case against Ohio state. But in terms of where, where people thought Michigan was going to be, I mean, clearly no one saw this coming. I mean, you, you saw Jim Harbaugh media day saying, yeah, that's where I'd pick him. And uh, there's a lot of pressure on him. And I did, I thought looking at these three rivalry games that they had at Michigan stadium this year, I said, well, if they come out, you know, two and one, that's pretty good. Well, they've got two, two wins, but clearly, I mean, beating Ohio state is, is everything for them. And he, and Jim Harbaugh knows that he may not express it like other coaches do, but he gave these guys t-shirts in spring ball with the, the the scores of their three losses last year. And, and of course the the biggest one was the Ohio state loss. And some of the guys, Ben Bredesen said, he, he goes, I know what the score was. And he threw it in the bottom of his locker room. Some guys like, like Sean, Sean McCune, the tight end said, hung it up in the tight end room so they wouldn't forget it. So I, I think that, you know, this is about, Ladies and gentlemen, we've lost Angelique. But uh, as she was pointing out, I mean, this is all about pride now. I mean, this is like, you know, can you turn the corner? Can Michigan turn the corner? I always appreciate Angelique coming on to my shows because I've known her forever, it seems like. And she has great insight into the Michigan-Ohio State series, as you as you just heard there. It's too bad that uh, in this modern-day times with modern, modern technical advances, we would lose her signal on such an important week. But I think she'd made her point. You know, and the thing I want to get into whether that uh, we're not going to get to touch on this is how much heat is Jim Harbaugh feeling right now to make this happen, finally, to make this happen. He was hired to turn the thing around. And uh, he has – I don't know if he's turned it around or not. I mean, Michigan wasn't going that poorly under Brady Hoke, but they weren't winning the game and uh, on a consistent basis except for that one little blurp year, uh, uh, burp year in 2011 when Ohio State was in a transition – from from uh, Jim Trussell to uh, Urban Meyer when Luke Fickle was the interim head coach and a lot of things were in disarray. But uh, I would call this almost like a must-win situation for Jim Harbaugh. If in fact, his program is turning around like, yeah, like a lot of people have thought it would. You know, I'm going to be back in just a moment to get some last thoughts headed into the game, number 116, with my good friend, Boston. You call him Austin Ward. We'll be back in just a moment. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. I appreciate, uh, in, in order, Craig Krenzel, Ben Hartsock, and then Angelique Shangelis from the Detroit News, longtime coverer of Michigan of the Michigan football program for joining me so far on this on this The Game Week. And the we're podcast. Zero, we're zeroing in right now, I think. Uh, Gloomin, our, our able producer, director, and gaffer, is zeroing in right now on my the cup. And you can see the counting the amount going into today was 101 and just on just quick memory which is pretty tough for me now being 65 i think i've added quite a bit to the largesse this money of course will go to the christina and ryan day fund when it's all done next week will be the last week in fact i'll be donating into this because i've got to start saving my money for christmas shopping <laughs> you don't want and, to uh, double it for the my little grandson owen i mean he's sitting there already going well there goes my my super <laughs> duper uh turbocharged tricycle but anyway let's get to the 
final but the last but not least uh, part of this program with Boston Austin Ward. Am I am I batting cleanup or am I just at the bottom of the order? But you're you're batting fourth. That's cleanup. All right. And I really appreciate you being on with me again because uh, number one, I think it's required. <laughs> But number two, <laughs> I don't know, remember writing that in it's there. It's always a slice. <laughs> but uh, we'll make this short and sweet uh, just because, uh, you know, people are running out of time to listen. You know, they're out there getting ready for Black Friday and, you know, uh, who knows what's coming it's, Saturday. Don't you think that's kind of – how do you like it? I think it's strange that you have – like we're trying to cover the biggest game of the year for the fans, one that they talk about all year long. And then you just have you have the family day on, on Thanksgiving and Thursday. It's not a big day, you know, to read or watch – you know, Buck IQ breakdowns. You have Black Friday in the shopping. It's like, I don't know. It's just kind of strange that the buildup's not quite the same for it this week. Yeah, I don't know. I think the buildup, you know, I think the buildup is what it is. You know, if 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 Michigan was undefeated, like a lot of people thought it would be at this point in the season, yeah. And Ohio State sitting there undefeated, you know, all people yeah. would be talking about over the tur- over the turkey would be about Ohio State and how it's going to win or this is the biggest challenge, et cetera. You know, the problem with this game is it kind of reminds me a little bit of, of 69 and 95. There's a sleeping <laughs> – there's a sleep. I don't know if it's a giant up there, but there's a sleeping uh, person laying in wait in the big house who wants to ruin Ohio State's party. Yeah. Now, the conjecture is Ohio State can probably still make the college football playoff and lose this game. I'm not sure I would take that for granted uh, based on the way some things go in the college football playoff committees, the way they look at things. But but the bottom line is Ohio State is focused on winning this game. Yeah, and they you – know, we were kind of touched on that on Saturday night afterwards. It's like not just Thanksgiving of this week, but the fact that Ohio State's already clinched the East. You know what happened then. Oregon went out and lost. That knocked another team really out of that race. It's like Ohio State has this great margin for error. You know, they don't have to win on Saturday for the playoff. Now, if you're the Buckeyes, you're Ryan Day, it's your first one. Uh, guys that want gold pants, obviously they feel like they have to win the rivalry. I'm, I'm not trying to equate the two. They're two separate issues. Uh, and Ohio State wants to be undefeated, and they want to maintain the bragging rights, this dominance that they've had this century. And, of course, ever since I started covering this team, I don't know any other way than Ohio State winning the game. So, uh, But that part of it is just – it's strange because the national perspective on this conversation is not the same. Here in Columbus and up there in Ann Arbor, the important is the same. Jim Harbaugh needs a win. Ryan Day is going to want to start with a win uh, as he takes over for Urban Meyer. But it's just that there's just that weird feeling because I firmly believe Ohio State can lose to a top ten opponent on the road and then beat either Wisconsin or, or Minnesota next week and be in the top four. Uh, I guess the other factor here is we get ready for tomorrow night. Uh, Tuesday night in the college football playoff rankings this week. Ohio State, if it wins the last three weeks against top ten opponents, then you're talking about the number one seed, and that could be pretty important. Uh, so, yeah. so I'm starting to talk myself back into the stakes being higher. Uh, I, I was, you know, telling uh, my boss, uh, the real boss around here, Will Crawl, earlier today. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I just, it doesn't feel the same. The stakes are kind of blah. Well, you that's know, when you got to watch out, though. I mean, you know, the thing about it is Ohio State. We, we've all thought Ohio State is this game as this season's gone on. This is a special season. Right. It's not a special season if, if you, you lose. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can win the big you can win the Big Ten championship and the national championship, but you know, two thousand and two was special. That was the first team to go totally undefeated. I think the first team to go fourteen and zero yeah. in major college history. And this team has the ability maybe to do that. But I tell you what, man, just we'll touch on it real quickly here. Uh, the last two weeks, there's been some slippage. I mean, 
Maybe they need to get in here and tighten some, tighten up some bolts and things like that. But I mean, there's been some slippage, and it's some of it's maybe a little bit of a lack of concentration. Some of it's happenstance. Mm-hmm. Some of it is you know fumbles at the goal line. I mean, Ryan Day, I'm telling you, he didn't go home on Saturday night going, man, yeah, beat Penn. Well, he, he was happy they beat Penn State, <laughs> but those three fumbles will eat at him aided him and i'm sure he's been you know but fumbles come in so such weird fashions these weren't guys just dropping the ball on the ground like you saw Tua Tagovailoa do you know and uh and some other ways these these were forced turnovers that really i mean I think- rutgers scored 21 points on ohio state are you kidding me that's still tied for the most <laughs> that's pretty wild that ohio state has given up this year yeah. and rutgers is the worst team in, maybe in a power five conference uh Penn State was still in that game on Saturday because Justin Fields dropped the ball as well as he played, dropped the ball uh, three times, two of which were recovered and turned into uh, one which thwarted a score and one which was turned into a score. And then, of course, J.K. Dobbins fumbled. And that's that's why it was a game. I think if Fields holds on for a split second longer on the way into the end zone, that game winds up being 50 to nothing. That was the way it was trending. You saw the way yes. Ohio State was rolling on defense. I think whatever it was, 60-some yards for Penn State in the first half. Yes. That should have been 28 or 35 to nothing at the end of the first half. Yes. And and sometimes that happens. Uh, if you look at it, is it a lingering problem? Is it an issue with the ball security? Ohio State's been pretty good taking care of it this year. I don't think it's a problem. The one that was questionable to me, I thought Dobbins was a little lackadaisical on his, and it's very uncharacteristic for him. And when he came into the postgame press conference, it was like, hey, you think you're, you know, how did you play? Uh, how happy are you with the workload and the touchdowns? And he was like, all he said was, I fumbled. Yeah. And he was and he was not happy. And that's, I think, a good sign for them taking Michigan seriously, trying to go undefeated, trying to get that number one seed, trying to win the rivalry, is that they looked at, at Saturday and it was some people felt good about it just because they know they accomplished something meaningful. But the overall sense was like, Ohio State walked into the postgame. It was like that was not their best effort and not even close. Well, no, that, but they let a backup quarterback come in and run well, like sure. Juice Williams on them for a while. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I'm, you know, I was talking with Jeff Halfley after the game. Sean Wade makes that breakup on the last real meaningful play mm-hmm. that could have possibly kept Penn State in that game. But if you really watch that play, uh, you know, Ohio State had dropped off into an intermediate zone with Jeffrey Okuda and uh, Sean Wade and. Jeffrey Okuda passed K.J. Hamler off to Sean Wade, who was stopped and then was trying to play catch-up back against him. If that ball had been thrown out in front of K.J. Hamler, he might still be running. Yeah. I mean, yeah. their happenstance comes into play, you know. But but the same thing could be said about the the first pass that uh, Justin Fields threw deep to, to uh, Chris Olave mm-hmm. in the end zone. Just before he wanted to launch it to begin with, a Penn State player got in his face. He had to, he had to move away from him. Then he was late launching it. Yeah. I mean, Chris Olave – there was a city block between him and the nearest defender <laughs> when he first broke open, but that's what—that's how football is, man. It's just a—just little moments can can make can be huge ramifications. And look, you can have a perfect record and not have played perfectly. And right. I think that the last two weeks are a good example of that for Ohio State. And sometimes, you know, you're dealing with these—you've done this a long time, Tim. Yeah. You're trying to predict what happens for 18 to 21 year olds every week. Good luck to you because it's hard. They know that. Uh, you know, Rutgers doesn't get, isn't going to matter to them, and they might play one quarter or two quarters, and then they're going to be done. They know if they're up 21 points on Penn State, 
they're probably not going to let them get back, you know, probably not going to lose that game. Now, they let Penn State all the way back in it yeah, they and did. had to fight for it. But that's just human nature is fighting complacency, fight, you know, even when you're just carrying the football like 36 times like J.K. Dobbins, if you let up one time, they can change the game in college football. And yeah. Those are important lessons for them because uh, they got through that. It was the first time we've made a big deal out of waiting for them to get a test and they got one. And they found out what it was going to be like for this particular team. Not like Dobbins hasn't played in big games before. He knows that he has to protect the football. But now that's happened, okay? At Michigan with gold pants on the line. In Indianapolis next week with the Big Ten on the line. And then whatever happens there, if it's the college football playoff uh, semifinal or the national championship, there is not going to be the margin for error against those teams in all likelihood. Yeah. Uh, and you, yeah, have to, you have to play more uh, – more closely perfect than they did on Saturday. Yeah, let's get into this real quick. I mean, yeah. we don't have much time left. Gotcha. Uh, we have unlimited time, but I don't think people <laughs> listening have unlimited time is my, is my point. Uh, I appreciate the people who listen to this podcast and download it, uh, but I digress. Dude, we're sitting there in the press box. Chris Olave should have had 15 catches on Saturday. Yeah. I'm just – I, that that game plan, I don't care. I mean, people talk about win the surest way and all this kind of stuff. That game plan baffled me from an offensive standpoint. I don't know if there was something that they knew was wrong with Justin Fields, what the situation was. Everything I saw going into that game said throw the ball. Throw the ball often. Throw the ball, especially Chris Olave, who could get open, you know, could get open in a crowded subway. Yeah. I mean, yeah. throw the ball. And they didn't do it. And I'm – I'm still baffled by what was his 60, 60 rushes or whatever they were. Sixty one, I believe. Sixty one and only twenty two passes. passes. I mean, Justin Fields threw one more pass than he than his rushes. He had twenty one rushes and twenty two passes. And I'm just going. I'm still and I'm yeah. I know in the second half it started to rain. Those little ice pellets were coming down. First half was really nice for throwing the football, and they didn't do it. And I'm just I'm I'm baffled by that. And and I'm looking at the Michigan game and I'm thinking. Against Michigan, you're definitely going to want to throw the ball around. <laughs> I mean, they're they're pretty good in the secondary, but there are things to be had with Ohio State, as you saw Ohio State versus them last year. Without question. With what I thought was a better defense. I'm talking about Michigan. Yep. There are things to be had there. So, uh, you know, just give me in, in 30 seconds, give me your give me your take on why did Ohio State go that route? Why did Ryan Day go that route against Penn State? And or is that what's going to are we going to see that again? I think there are two things, and so the only the only explanations that make any sense to me, Tim, are that uh, they didn't respect Penn State's ability to stop the run, and they wanted to prove that they could. That opening drive was a a statement. Okay. Yeah, but I thought the major statement. No, yeah, you're right. But but that's they were just like you know what they can't stop it. Justin Fields is going to start running a little bit more because they think it's a top ten. Let me game. give people a refresher. Michigan State was uh, Penn State was averaging giving up seventy five point four yards a, a game rushing. Ohio State had ninety one yards rushing on that first drive. So I I think <laughs> that was part of it. It was coming so easily for them, and there was even when the you know we talked about the Fields fumble, there was just this sense that the yardage was going to keep coming easily. The blowout was in hand. The defense was rolling, and I think at that point, if you're Ryan Day, gotcha. you, you're shortening the game because you know there's a lot of football and big time opponents left and that makes sense to me it was weird because Chris Olave in a top 10 game should never finish with two catches uh, he has already reached that that plateau where he is a superstar uh, for Ohio State that and he's got this knack in big games where the football needs to be thrown his way there were i think there were two others you talked about the one into the end zone mm -hmm. that he missed that, he was the one on the first quarter right the, yeah. the one down the sideline so ball was thrown short it's not like he wasn't targeted but uh, he needs to he needs to have a much heavier dosage of that, and I think um, once you got 
21 nothing, and into that third quarter, yeah, the fumble switched it around a little bit and things got hairy. But it was like, Dave's like, you're going to trust the defense. And it's the first time that that's been this situation. So I don't look at it as, uh, okay. you know, we, we, Berm said this on Saturday to us. That was like Urban Meyer was calling it. I, I think that's a little bit too far. Yeah. That was more conservative. That was more like Jim Trussell than, calling yeah, it. To be honest okay. with you, I mean, win the surest way. You guys are both. Which, you guys are both in that camp. But has I, merit. I, I, th- I think it just, you know, made a little bit more sense for them to shorten that game in that situation. And it, you couldn't have anticipated that your two most reliable offensive players were gonna fumble four times. You just, yeah, I, you're not gonna dream that up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now going into this one real quick. Uh, you know, I, you have. Sources, insiders. I have insiders. I'm mm-hmm. told that Justin Fields, you know, obviously got bruised up on Saturday, but he's no less the worse for wear. That he's going to be ready to go this week. Yep. Uh, you got the same idea, right? That is what I feel. Okay. Uh, just give me your in a in a nutshell. This we're recording this on a Monday, headed toward the the game on Saturday, mm-hmm. but we have a feel for what's coming. Uh, in a nutshell, what do you? Before I give you my take, what do you anticipate seeing Saturday? unfold before your eyes i think the full offensive package will be unleashed in a way that we haven't seen maybe we thought that was going to happen on saturday especially with the passing attack as we just alluded to if you're going to play against michigan and ryan day wants to send a message the way you know 62 39 uh, a year ago i have a hard time believing that michigan can score at that level against the best defense in the country but i don't think that their defense is any better equipped to slow down ohio state uh so fields you know Chris Olave is going to get more more balls the way he did in the game last year. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, he's not going to get 36 carries, but he's going to have a heavy workload. And we've now seen that Justin Fields, as you wrote last week and predicted and nailed it, that it was a, a whatever-it-takes game. The full Ohio State playbook is going to be open on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that they necessarily even need it, but I think that they want to go up there. And I talked about that statement drive against Penn State. I think they want to send – a message against Michigan that the dominance with Day is not going to slow down, and you know, you saw him two weeks ago. I, I talk I, when you when Don Brown made those comments uh, about how they'd adjusted and how they're ready for Ohio State. You could see the guards go up for Ryan well, you, Day. Do, Ryan Day's face was oh. man. That was a that was a photograph. But you need the you need a definite big cut line under it to understand what he's. <laughs> I mean, he's he clearly is champing at the bit. I do believe it, to unleash something. The bad news is it may be a little bit inclement weather up there is what you're hearing, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be where you put the Air Force in the hangar. I mean, I think they, they feel like they can throw, which leads me to my next point. This is a Michigan team that has found a over-the-top and over-the-top big-time passing game in the last several weeks, including a second half against Penn State. They finally discovered not only Donovan Peoples-Jones, Donovan Peoples-Jones yeah. But also, Nico Collins is a big-time player. Uh, Shea Patterson, you give him a little bit of time, it looks like he can hit some big passes. You know, there were doubts about him for the last couple of years. Uh, this this could be this could be this Ohio State defense's stiffest test to date. I've got two points there. I'll try and make them quick. But okay. one, do you remember, we talked to a, a head coach of some famous repute. It was either late in August or early yeah. in September, and he – he now analyzes games on a major network. I think network. it was early October, but go okay. ahead. He he analyzes games on a major network, and he was talking about uh, this Michigan team and the offensive. I mean, he tried – this person, excuse me, tried to recruit a number of these wide receivers to add to the offense, and he was he couldn't understand 
why they weren't getting the football, why they weren't being used as often as possible. Yeah. I mean, because Michigan cannot run the football. They still can't. No. Harbaugh, try as he might, it's not working. I mean, everybody's like, uh, everybody's excited about Char- you know, Charbonnet and uh, the other kid. But the other guys, we're not, those three guys. We're not talking about the same kind of defense. And, and Peoples Jones in particular, this particular coach loved him from the moment he saw him. In yes. The guy is special. Okay, so that's one factor. Uh, just kind of a, an anecdote about why Michigan should have been moving that direction. Also, hey, their we can name him. His name's Urban Meyer. <laughs> oh, okay. We were having a little talk with him, but the thing is, he's he said pretty much the same thing on Fox, yeah. you know. Uh, and you're right. And so, but here's the other point as it relates to this particular matchup: if you're going to run those deep routes that you're talking about, you got to have you have to have time. Yeah, they are they're not always fast developing routes there, and Shea Patterson needs to stand. Spencer Holbrook uh, has pointed this out on a number of times when we've watched Michigan in the last couple of weeks. That's glooming. I'll give him some credit for that. Um, not that it's breaking news, but you don't have time when Chase Young is coming at you. You don't have time when Tyreek Smith and Devon Hamilton and Jay Sean Cornell, who was uh, a ball of fire on Saturday, you, you don't have time for a deep developing route. Yeah. I'm sorry. If that's how Michigan thinks they're going to beat Ohio State, it's not going to happen. And if you try to have that, those, you try and take a bunch of deep shots with Jeff Okuda and Damon Arnett and Sean Wade, and then Chase Young coming at you off seven sacks in those last two games for him, he's going to feast, and he'll set another record if you try and throw all day. Well, maybe you do that when Chase Young isn't in the game, you know, with Ohio State switching those lines hey, up like hockey call, team. But you say this is a, a hold-nothing-back game? Yeah. I mean, Chase Young plays good, 70 plays on Saturday. Good luck right? taking Chase Young off the Any field. other interesting thing, I mean, I would agree with that, but, you know, you always have a moment. You know, there's always going to be a moment where it's going to be a moment where you're going to have a shot. At, at that kind of play, whether this game will be close enough for that to matter. You know, I like I said, I mean, 69 and 95 stick out to me as games that Ohio State should have handled mm-hmm. and didn't get it handled because you never know what, like you said, 18 to 22-year-olds are going to do right. in, in a certain situation, how the weather's going to play a factor. Like I said, a split-second uh, difference can make a whole lot of difference in the way a play develops, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some really capable Ohio State teams stumble, and I've seen some capable Michigan teams also stumble in this game because it is a rivalry for a reason. Yeah, it, I think and I, I have these conversations with Berm all the time, and he has a completely different perspective because, you know, when he was you, – you, you've been through the whole course of this rivalry for a long time. You've seen the ups and downs on both sides. When Berm was, like, getting his – feel for the rivalry it was in the 90s and so he always gives Michigan the benefit of the doubt yeah. goes in with like yeah. you know thinking it's the worst things could happen for Ohio State when you talk to me about this game I've seen every Michigan quarterback be hyped in the last eight years yeah I've seen all this offseason hype that they're going to be the team that's going to uh, unseat Ohio State transcend that happened again this summer and now I've even seen this where the last five weeks they're like Michigan's got it figured out look at the way the offense is rolling yeah I've seen it every time Every time since 2012, is that a the longest time anyone has? Uh, is it the biggest sample size? No. no. But I hear I, every time I've heard it, and every time I've seen Ohio State answer the challenge, you just you can't convince me. Yeah. Because I didn't, I wasn't around when that was happening in the 90s, and the more talented Ohio State teams were falling short. Until Michigan actually beats Ohio State, I will not believe it can happen. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I was just setting you up there because. <laughs> I mean, just want to get your take on it. I truly believe Ohio State takes care of business on yeah. Saturday. This will be the best team by far Michigan has faced this year. Right. Uh, number three, Chase Young. You know, okay, maybe we're putting – maybe we're talking about him way too much. Chase Young, so. the two biggest games of this year so far are Wisconsin and Penn State. 
you could put those two those two highlight reels the way he played in those two games against the best competition the Big Ten has thrown at them so far, the way he dominated moments in that game, this guy is for real uh, with an exclamation point at the end. As uh, Braxton Miller used to say, for real? For real. You you got that right on Chase Young. Yeah. How are these other guys going to play? Remains to be seen. Uh, Is Justin Field. Justin Field's for real. He proved that to me the last several weeks, especially carrying the ball 21 times. Yeah, he fumbled three times. He got hit on all three of those in certain different ways. He got up and made made a point to walk off the field after that last hit he took on Saturday yeah. uh, to show that that to me. I remember Chris Spielman used to say, "Unless my leg is like broken, I'll, you know, I'm going to walk off the field. I'm not going to let you have the satisfaction <laughs> yeah. of thinking you've knocked me out of the game." Justin Fields has that kind of moxie about him. He has he that kind of toughness, you know. And I had. Uh, Craig Krenzelon is my first guest today uh, in this podcast, and he, Craig Krenzel was tough, man. Jonathan Vilma hit him about as hard as you can hit a man on a football field in that national championship game, and Craig Krenzel got up. Yeah. You know, I think it was on a touchdown, as a matter of fact. So that's that's what I've learned about this football team going along. But but more than anything else, where Ohio State fans I think should have faith is the fact this offensive line is one of the is one of the elite offensive lines I've ever covered at Ohio State. Josh Myers has emerged into one of the great linemen out there in the country. These other guys, too, are playing at an extremely high level. That's where I think you take – I don't know if you're an Ohio State fan, you take comfort going into this game. That push comes to shove, this offensive line has been able to get it done. And Wyatt Davis, the offensive one of the offensive players of the game for Ohio State last week, that guy has taken a huge leap. Uh, you might – be concerned if you look towards the future beyond Saturday that Ohio State's going to have to replace both of those guys uh, if they jump to the NFL. Yeah, but uh, that's as, next that's, year. I'm talking about this that's year. That's something we can talk about later. But, you know, it's a cliche for a reason. You're going to win this game, you're going to win the trenches. And, and by the way, Ohio State replaced four starters on our offensive yeah. line from <laughs> last year. Yeah. At, <laughs> not like not any foreshadowing there. Yeah, foreshadowing you know, yeah. our podcast in January. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But, you know, if you're going to pick a better offensive line, you take Ohio State's. If you're gonna, you're not gonna pick against the Rushman with Chase Young, and I already rattled off all their names without even throwing in Landers or Tyreek Smith or Zach Harrison. I mean, my goodness, yeah, uh, the role he played on Saturday in a big ran game. a guy down from the backside one I, on one play. I, I did. I've said it over and over. I didn't think it was gonna happen for him as a true freshman, but yeah. but you know when you would talk about all that stuff, Tim, I was like the last ten minutes, twelve minutes. I'm more excited. It, it's starting to. Now it's starting to feel like that rivalry week and the other stuff about the playoffs drifting away. I'm getting more excited to be up there on Saturday uh, and cover this game because yeah. it's always – Angelique said this uh, before I came on. I was listening in and, you know, how special it is to get to cover it for how much it means to Ohio State's fans, how much it means to Michigan fans that it's all year round. It's it's a, it's a an honor that we get to do it and talk about it and break it down. And, and yeah. now I'm, uh, I'm getting pretty excited. And, and as old saying goes, you may think you know what's coming. You don't know what's coming. I mean, like I said, sixty nine ninety five. I keep going back to those. Mm-hmm. Last year, Ohio State scored sixty two points. Yeah, on I Michigan. did not. I did not predict that. Hey, Ohio State scored sixty two. Well, they only won by twenty three. You know, <laughs> I mean, people forget Michigan scored thirty nine yeah. in that game. Bo and Woody must have just been going, <laughs> just like the game of the century in two thousand six. You know, you thought that was going to be like maybe a 17-14 to 14 game. That was as great a game as you're ever going to watch from a scoring offensive standpoint. So you think you know what's coming. You don't really ever really truly know what's coming. My personal opinion is Ohio State holds sway in this game. Maybe uh, 
I, I'm not sure the nine-point spread is inaccurate. I think Ohio State uh, holds sway and maybe wins by two or three touchdowns when things really get rolling. You never know. But I, that's the kind of feel I have for this Ohio State football team. This is maybe the most complete team I've ever covered at Ohio State. Yeah, if, if Michigan scores 39 points on Saturday again like they did last year, I'll, I'll, however much they score, I'll put it in the cover. You'll match it? That's – that there's no, I'm not going to match it because you might just run me out of here, but yeah, there's I can't see that happening. Ohio State's defense is too talented, and the turnaround, as you said, I mean, from the 39 that gets kind of overshadowed a year ago, I think you'll see the real difference in what they're doing. And Greg Madison now Washington, uh, they're going to have some incentive to play well in this, get their guys ready for that too. So it's not just Ryan Day; uh, those guys will want to prove that their defense and it's not just Don Brown and all that stuff. And yeah, I, there's a lot of, Hey, I could keep going. The motivation is there. Like I, I wrote about it in the five questions on Monday that yeah. like, is Ohio state going to be ready? Does this matter to them? It really, it does. It, it's just, it's just a weird thing with the playoff and a national championship not being impacted, but 1996 now- Ohio state wins at Indiana. Big play at the end of the game. I think Andy Katzmore knocks the ball loose and Matt Finka scores on a fumble recovery or vice versa. Mm-hmm. I get, you know, get that mixed up in my head. But Ohio State ends up clinching the Big Ten championship that day. They're walking all around the field with roses clenched in their teeth. And one of my best friends, Jeff Snook, who's been on the show, <clears throat> called me next day. I can't believe I can't believe the coaches let them put those roses in their mouth. Don't you understand? They're playing Michigan. <laughs> They're playing for a national championship. And lo and behold, Ohio State. With Joe Germain starting for the first time at quarterback, which everybody had been calling for for many weeks, scores three field goals, is up nine to nothing at the half. Uh, Ty Streets catches that touchdown pass to start the second half when Sean Spring slips. That only made it nine to yeah. uh, set nine to seven. But then Michigan goes on and wins that game. And Ohio State, even though it beats Arizona State in the in the Rose Bowl, is denied a national <clears throat> championship because maybe it took for granted what was going on in the game. Yep. Don't ever take for granted what's going to happen in the game. And I'll just leave you with that thought, ladies and gentlemen. I appreciate my my good buddy, Boston Ward, coming on on the on the, the, the week of the game as we talk about Ohio State-Michigan, the 116th meeting. It's Something's going to surprise you on Saturday, but who knows what it's going to be. <laughs> but until next week, this is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. Thanks for watching and thanks for listening. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.